0: Thank you. thank you. All right. Cool. Hi. <laughs> I'm never going to get better at this bit. Um, <laughs> no, I'm not going to speak that over me. I don't even, it, you know, whatever. Um, my name is Anna Van Straalen. Um, for those of you who don't know me, I am a person. That is my title. Um, <laughs> I come to this church and have been going to it for a long time, which is another one of my titles. So you might not know as much. Um, and yeah, that's it. <laughs> um, so, what I really want to talk to, um, tonight about, um, I was going to do this bit at the end, but I'm going to move it around and do it at the front. Um, so, go me, shuffling things around. I want to talk about truth and I want to tell you my qualifications. And my qualifications about talking about truth is that I have been a liar. And so, that's all you need to know, really. You know, you're in good hands. Um, I have discovered the hard way and also found the amazing freedom that just turning to truth and being committed to the truth can do for your life. And um, so I feel like, although none of us are perfect, and I'm not up here because I'm perfect, and I think if we waited for somebody to come ha- up here that was perfect, we would be in an empty room. Um, so let's just acknowledge that now. Um, but I wanted you to know that because this, is, um, this stuff is hard. And so I want you to know that if you are at all feeling convicted of anything that I say or anything sits a little bit uncomfortably with you, then I want you to know that I'm with you. I'm sitting next to you going, yeah, I feel bit." yucky too, because <laughs> um, this stuff is, it, it really is difficult, and it's a challenge, um, but it's also um, a really beautiful, wonderful, um, important thing to talk about, and so I just want you to, to just know that, you know, I'm, I'm no one in particular, I'm not a pastor or anything like that, and I'm, I'm coming at this because I've, I've learned it, and I'm keeping learning it, and um, it's important, um, so that's, that's why I'm here, that's what I'm passionate about, um, and most of all, I'm passionate about Jesus. So I want to first tell you about this um, this lovely lady that taught me once upon a time. um, And she was, um, yeah, really fun and cool and I liked her. And we used to, after class, uh, we'd just sit around and chat about whatever and it was nice to be able to sort of have that experience with, um, you know, a full-blown adult, because I was only about 18 at the time, or maybe a bit older, I don't know, who cares. And she told me this story, me and a couple of other people. She's like, Oh, yeah, I got on a train without a ticket once. And we were like, Oh! (laughs) And then she said, And I got caught and I got fined. And like it was a big big Vicky sort of fine. And we were like, Ooh, what did you do? And she said, I wrote a letter. To the appropriate department telling them about why it was extenuating circumstances and you know it was a really complicated difficult thing but I really had to be on the train and I didn't have the money and it was you know a really really good reason so I actually got let off the hook from my fine um, because of special circumstances and we we're like oh okay oh it wasn't true <laughs> she lied she sat and thought about the most most convincing, heart-wrenching lie that would get her off the hook from the fine. And, and she won. She didn't have to pay. And we're all sitting there going, I don't know how to feel. Because <laughs> she wasn't... I don't remember her being sorry. I apologise to her wherever she is. I've lost contact with her. But, um, um, yeah, as I said, great lady. Um, so, sitting there in the aftermath of that, I remember going how do I really feel about her now? And I remember part of me being like, well, you shouldn't do that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you absolutely, definitely shouldn't do that. But the other half of me went, it's kind of cool that she could tell us that she did it though, isn't it? Because <laughs> there are plenty of people who have done something like that. Maybe not quite as elaborate, but like, we've all done it, haven't we? I don't know. We've all like been like, well, we could face up to the difficult truth and we could have horrible things happen to us, or we could get away with not. (laughs) Has anyone done that? No. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So my shock wasn't really... It wasn't really shock that she had done this. It was kind of funny how far she went with it. It was kind of funny how shameless it was. Really, the thing I was left with was she just said she did it. She just told us. And I remember thinking, well, look, I'm not... I'm not saying that we should be doing that with our, um, with our lives, but there's something to be said about if you're going to lie afterwards saying that you did it, is that any worse than doing it and then covering it up forever to keep your reputation? It's just an interesting question. So... I guess in the end, I I sort of felt pleased knowing, you know, as somebody who's had a past where I've said things that I've regretted, I felt pleased to know that somebody that I actually knew and and respected and liked was actually comfortable to own up to the fact that they weren't a perfect person. She's not a Christian, she was just somebody who was being herself and she owned it. And yeah, in fact, the more I thought about it, the less simple my feelings about what had happened were. You know, this is just a little story, it's not a big deal. If we're lying and covering it up and hiding from others and pretending that we haven't done anything wrong, that shows that we know better. If we lie and we admit it and have no intention of changing and just say, well, that's how it goes, um, that points to a lack of character, that empathy that allows us to put others before ourselves in order of importance. Because lying has an impact on others. It's deception. Now, when we think about getting out of a fine, we can think, well, that's a victimless crime. That's just, you know, you take it on the chin for no reason or you, and, or, or you do the thing. Like, if you if you fib to get out of a problem, is that really a big deal? Well, the thing is that deception, it's not really about what it's about. It's about what it is. And what it is, is it's like you're getting a handful of mud in a crystal clear pool of water and dropping it in. And suddenly the water's cloudy because what you're actually doing is that you're taking another human being and you're saying, I'm going to make things harder for you to see clearly what the world really is, what's really going on. And that's actually a really rather horrible thing to do to anybody. Even maybe the man at the train station reading the email. Deceiving other people disconnects the people around us in a small or a large way with their grip on how things really are. As a Christian, it's a key Bible belief to me that the truth matters. Now, I want to acknowledge that not all of you may be Christian, and if you're not, I love that you're here, and it's great to see you. And if you want to come and chat with me, you're super, super welcome. I'm not expecting you to necessarily see things the way I do, but thank you for listening um this is not about me wanting to point fingers or tell everybody I'm right, you're wrong, na 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 na. But I do want to say that I believe that the truth is important and I want to tell you why and I want to convince you. That's my plan. <laughs> tell me how I do. So this evening I want to look at a few aspects of the truth, telling the truth to one another, knowing what is true, and how do we use truth as a way of loving one another and loving Jesus better. So I'm going to go to John uh, chapter 18 verses 36 to 38 and Jesus is in big trouble (laughs) as far in a worldly sense, you know, everything is going downhill, he's going to be crucified at some point, he's standing before Pilate and um, Pilate is trying to figure out what to do with him. The Jews want him dead, And Pilate is the one that they've picked to kind of pull the trigger and make it happen. And Pilate's in a bit of a sticky, uncomfy situation himself politically. So he's not having a great time either. He just wants everyone to calm down. (laughs) So Jesus says to Pilate, "'My kingdom is not of this world. "'If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. "'But now my kingdom is from another place.' "'You are a king then,' said Pilate. "'Jesus answered, "'You say that I'm a king?' In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth? retorted Pilate. And with this, he went out again to the Jews gathered there and said, I find no basis for a charge against him. The world at the moment is very conflicted and disturbed and angry about the truth where it came from, who gets to speak it, and what do we do about what is true. Back in the day when Pilate was governor, things were not much better um, and maybe not much worse. Who knows? Um, He was trying to calm down a whole bunch of different people who weren't getting along and his neck was on the line. And eventually uh, it it seems to be historically that he paid for it in the end. Um, So he was experiencing what we we are experiencing now, sorry, that we're hearing a clamour of different voices that have different motivations, different backgrounds. They're telling different versions of what's going on and they're all vastly different. So why bother trying to get to the bottom of things if everything is true and nothing is all at the same time? How can we possibly know? Well, all I can say is that this is not how Jesus sees things these things because he says that everyone on the side of truth listens to me. It's obvious that truth is real to Jesus and that truth matters to Jesus. So let's again look at Pilate's question, what is truth? Can we have the second slide up? Okay, so in popular culture, we hear that truth is something in us that belongs to us. We hear it all the time as a declaration or a justification. We're not having slides, no? Okay cool whatever (laughs) I am living my truth this is the key thought of our current age that I hold in me the truth which I define and I live by according to how I feel and where I grew up and where I was born and what I know and what I've decided to do about it The Greek philosopher Aristotle, who died about 300 years before Jesus was born, defined the truth as to say of what is that it is or of what is not that it is not is true. I like that. That sounds pretty simple. It's a good enough suggestion, but the idea of my truth does away with this idea completely. It falls into the area of what's very popular right now, and that's called subjectivity. The way that we feel and who we are and where we're from and what we think and think we know all shapes our idea of the truth, which becomes no less true than any other picture of the world, circumstances, morality morality and events. And also by the same token, my truth cannot override anybody else's equally valid subjective view of the world. Now, this seems really neat and nice and honourable. We can just say, sure, to anyone's point of view of reality, yeah, you do you. Seems like the loving thing to do, isn't it? If we just turn our no's and arguments to, sure, if you say so, then everyone can just get on with living their lives. And I think part of this set of ideas actually has some merit. Jesus himself said in Matthew 7, verse 1 to 3, Do not judge, or you will be judged. For in the same way that you judge others, you will be judged, and the measure that you use will be used against you. So in other words, if you impose your judgment on others, you jolly well better be sure that you're obeying the rules that you're imposing on or measuring others by because it will come back to bite you if you're not. That means that subjectivity of truth seems very safe in that respect. We are being understanding. We're just letting others decide what's right for themselves. Do we have any slides? No, we're really not doing slides. Yeah, yeah. Eh, whatever okay so I had some I looked up like wisdom from the internet and you're missing out on like like some orchids and some pretty cursive writing and I'm just gonna paraphrase oh, hey hello Thank you so much okay so can we all read this out together Let's see if we can do it in unison one two three strength comes from living your truth to be true and authentic is your path to happiness, peace, and joy. You may be mocked by others, but they have no power over you, for you have discovered the power within. Woo! Sounds pretty good. Can we have the next slide? Okay. I'm going to read this one to you. I get to tell my truth. I get to seek meaning and realisation. I get to live fully wildly imperfectly that is why I am alive uh, and all I actually have to offer as a writer this is Anne Lamotte. somebody tell me who she is if you want but I don't really care um, and all I actually have to offer as a writer is my version of life every single thing that has happened to me is mine okay so this is kind of the idea. We are, you know, the truth is in us. It's mine. I get to decide it. That's where the power is from. You know, this is, this is all that I have to worry about is wrapping myself around what I know is true. Can we have the last uh, little meme thing? Everyone wants the truth. No one wants to be honest. Just thought I'd mix it up a little bit. <laughs> yeah, no orchids. It's a good green though <laughs> the problem comes to this form of belief in truth in the shape of justice what if somebody's being hurt in the name of somebody else's truth what if somebody's lying and saying that they have a truth in order to get what they want knowing that nobody can challenge them on it to take advantage of others what if our truths justify us to be cruel destructive unfair unfaithful in the realm of my truth, there is nobody we are held accountable to but our own internal approval, which says, go ahead. Just wanting to do something is an enough reason. So we need to learn how we can be loving to others and accept them, caring for them, being a good friend, a good neighbour, a good citizen, while also standing up for the things that just undeniably matter, like caring for the vulnerable and standing up for fairness and working towards a community that is filled with things that we can all look at and go, that's good. The world of my truth doesn't tell us how to do that. It can't tell us. It doesn't have an adequate answer. And we cannot love others properly if we don't know the truth. We simply won't know how. The idea of subjective personal truth has led to a world which feels like only love is something that we're allowed to do anymore. We can't stand up for what we perceive is right because we have to just affirm, 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 encourage, 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 support, 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 or we aren't caring for one another. But that's so broken because to truly love one another, we need to be willing to reach out to those around them and show them the respect of telling telling them what we really know. And, What if they're running into danger? What if there's something that they aren't sure about? Is everyone 100% sure that the path they're on is absolutely going to lead to the consequences that they are willing to take? Because if there's any uncertainty at all, our silence means something. It's saying, go ahead, sure, off you go, have a good time. And encouraging them is just going to make them walk faster. To where? Thanks. when somebody is on the path on a track where they're going to harm someone or someone else or just miss out on something amazing isn't love speaking up? the truth what is truth? it's we can get close to it with facts but the closest we can be to it is Jesus because the truth is not as much a thing ...as it is a person. In John 14, 5-6... ...Thomas is talking to Jesus... ...and Jesus is talking about heaven. And Thomas says to him... ...Lord, we don't know where you are going... ...so how can we know the way? And Jesus answered... ...I am the way and the truth... ...and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Let's let that sink in. We've heard that so many times. I am the way and the truth... And the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Truth is not just saying, like Aristotle, that what is so is so and what is not is not. The truth comes down to the person of Jesus. He isn't a knower of truth, he is a maker of truth. He is the truth. His reality is the reality. When we spend time with Jesus, we not only discover more and more about him, but we discover more and more about what is in us and what is in the world around us. It measures our life. It measures our worlds and our hearts against his perfection. And we continue to understand what is true in everything that is in us and around us. And the more we know him, the more we know the truth. Jesus is the ultimate path to truth. He is the only path to truth. And he doesn't lead to legalism, which is what happens when we start to worship facts and not him. It leads to love. Now, truth in the person of Jesus is the antidote to confusion. It says in Ephesians 4, 14 to 16. Ephesians 4 is a big chapter. I remember telling Sandy, I want to talk about Ephesians 4. She said, no, you don't. It's too big. Um, (laughs) She was right. Um... The bit that I want to talk about is how it says that when we are um, living as a healthy church, we will no longer be infants tossed back and forward by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him... The whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Now lies, the opposite of truth, are designed to confuse, to hide what's really out there, to confuse, to distort, to hide. The truth reveals. The truth is disclosure. And through it comes clarity, understanding and wisdom. Through reading the Word of God, which is the Bible, through prayer and through obedience which is really important because we're hearing and not doing, that's not the whole thing. We grow to know our beautiful Saviour Christ more. And in fact, this this verse talks about our role as part of him, as his body held together by love. And as we become more closely drawn into a life with Jesus at the centre, at the head, we can see clearly ourselves and each other and God. This passage tells us as we grow in friendship with Jesus, we will become less easily taken in by wisdom and teaching, which looks good but stinks. I want to take this moment to say that there is a lot of wisdom from this world that's going around at the moment that I believe is hurting people. It's leading them away from what is wholesome, what is beautiful, from who they truly are, and which doesn't match up to how Jesus teaches us to live and treat ourselves and others. People are hearing that they can be... Now, let's just spend some, a moment with this. People are actually hearing that they can be somehow so broken, so fractured that their insides, which is their heart and their mind and their will and their soul, can somehow be at odds, can be lost, disconnected from their outsides. People are hearing that their bodies need a hospital, a surgeon, to fix their hearts. people are hearing that they are responsible for the mistakes and sins that their ancestors, who are other people, did. And not only that, but they're never able to be forgiven because those people are dead. People are hearing that we must carry the burden of being only seen as a member of a group, a cog in a machine. And that's all they are. Jesus said no. Absolutely not. In the Sermon on the Mount, he called his listeners and us to love our neighbours, to bless those who persecute us. He told us God gives us good things, that what we've been given is good, that he doesn't give stones to people who ask for bread. He doesn't give the wrong thing to people and have them born into a world where they cannot belong unless they're cut up into pieces or given drugs for the rest of their lives. He's not like that. He says we're blessed when we're meek, when we're persecuted, when we're poor in spirit, when we show mercy, when we hunger for what is right. We are blessed when we love him, when we hurt, when we are misunderstood, when we are peaceful, when we sorrow, when we grieve. As my husband likes to say, we are so blessed we cannot lose for winning. What a different picture of life Jesus gives us about what we have and what he wants for us. He says he'll look after us. He says we're going to be okay with him. That's what people need. We need to be truth-tellers to the world, but in a new way. We need to set the tone for the people around us in the way that we love. Because when it comes down to it, I believe that the enemy wants us to fight with one another. He wants us to get angry at one another. And you know what? No matter what anyone else is doing, no matter how broken or hurting they are, or no matter how much they think we're wrong and we think that they're wrong, The enemy's fine with us fighting with one another. That's cool. That's fine. The problem is with him. We need to learn to restrain ourselves from unleashing things on others which are not motivated by a desire to help or make peace, to guide or encourage. We need to be careful with our words because there are no take-backs. It can take a long time to heal hurtful works words, even one speaking out of a place of fact. It's not about dropping a truth bomb, dropping the mic and then wandering away. We need to live a life that shows, one, that love matters to us and, two, that we're so committed to the truth that we're not just willing to tell it to other people but we're willing to let it guide us, to let it shape our lives. In the way that we act, in the way that we love one another, we support what we declare to be true with the proof that we mean it in the way that we conduct ourselves. It says in James, chapter 3, 13 to 18, "'Who is wise and understanding among you? "'Let them show it by their good life, "'by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. "'If you harbour bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, "'do not boast about it or deny the truth. "'Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, "'but it is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. "'For where you have envy, selfish ambition... There you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure and then peace-loving. It's considerate, it's submissive. It's full of mercy and good fruit. It's impartial and it's sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Now what I didn't read before, but you might want to read it later, is James 3, 1 to 5 that talks about what happens when we just tell the truth without caring what happens to people that hear it. It's like a wildfire. It's really, really potentially just hurtful and horrible. Truth used recklessly can hurt. It needs love to direct us. It's not just about telling people the truth. It's actually about loving them enough to know what they need to hear and to know when we need to be silent. Although truth without love can really hurt other people, love... Which is activated in truth is one of the most beautiful things that we can do to one another. Love delights in the truth. It says, If I speak in the tongues of men and angels but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but I do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all that I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices with the truth. See, if you have something to say, Measure it by 1 Corinthians 13. This is when you're speaking to one another, when you're speaking on the internet, when you're writing a comment at YouTube when you've been riled up by something that someone else has said. That's when you're talking to your mum or your dad. That's when you're talking about your teacher behind their back. If something is true, that's the first thing. If it's not true, you can just dump it in the bin. If it is true then see it like 1 Corinthians 13, 1 to 6 is a filter. Move through it. Does it survive this? Can it get through that? Is it self-seeking? Am I angry? Am I remembering something that happened in the past? Am I enjoying hurting them? If it fails any of those tests, you don't have to say it. But you know what? There's going to be some things that pass every test... That are true, that are incredibly hard to say. And those are the things worth saying. It says in James chapter 1, verse 1, sorry, chapter 16 to 18, that we are, he chose, that God chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits for all that he created. It says, we are born of truth. I don't have really very much time left, in fact, I'm in minus time, sorry everyone. All right. <laughs> All right. I just want to say that look. How do I go with this? It's it's hard to be born of truth. Being a Christian is tough. And sometimes that means that we're going to feel like we are trapped by the truth, that we can't move because we are trying to do what's right. And other people can skip by and and get around and go through the cracks and in the corners and that they can sort of just slip through life and it's easy. But for us, it's so hard. Winnie in prayer was talking about boulders. Truth is like a boulder in our way, you know, if we choose to honour that and know that God doesn't like it when we deceive others, when we muddy the water and show other people a vision of the world that isn't true, when we care about them enough and when we care about what God wants enough, that we let the boulder be in our way and take the consequences of that, something amazing happens. God Hulk fists it out of the way. And that's what he's done in my life. Every time, I would say, every time there's something in my way and I go, I'm going to take it on the chin and this is going to ruin everything. But I guess, you know, I've decided that I'm committed to this and I'm not going to wriggle out of it. And so when you tell the truth in a difficult situation, you're waiting in front of this boulder. And you know what? You get front row seats to see how God deals with it. And it's always better. It's always better. And you haven't compromised any of your relationships you haven't compromised your own integrity you can sleep at night you can pray with a clear conscience and God gets the rock out of your way because he hasn't made us to be blocked by rocks in fact he said very clearly that rocks in our way don't matter I'm pretty sure he told us more than once oh my gosh (laughs) So I guess I just want to encourage you that when we tell the truth, we are, first of all, really bothering the enemy because what he wants us to do is lie because that means that we are a slave to those lies forever because a lie requires another lie which requires another lie and before you know it, our version of reality, the picture that we're drawing of ourselves is going off in that direction and this is real reality going off in that direction and guess who gets torn in half in the middle? At some point, there's going to be tears before bedtime. But if we choose to be held by the truth and trust God to actually work it out for us, the devil is the one that gets torn in the crossfire. And that's what we want. We just want people to know the truth. We want people to be set free. We want them to be experiencing God's love the way it should be. We want them to enjoy the fruit of the Spirit. We want them to have all those things. It grows peace truth grows knowledge and it grows power the power of your word when you say something and people know that they said it so therefore they mean it that is an amazing thing to be able to move through and I believe that God can do a lot with us when we choose to honor our word like he chooses to honor his word to us so I want to challenge you tonight because it's often about the little things We'd all like to think that when there's a sword at our neck and somebody's saying, if you don't believe in Jesus, if you say you don't believe in Jesus, you'll live, then we'd all like to think that we'll say we love Jesus and that would be the end of it. That's what we all want. But the thing is, I actually think that if we can't tell the truth when it doesn't really matter, I doubt that we'll be able to when it does. So we need to work on this idea about the little things. Have you got a secret? Are you finding that when you're going to sleep at night and you're lying there in the dark, the last thing that you're thinking about is that you're feeling ill because something's weighing on you. Tell the truth. Pray. Tell the truth and trust God to work it out because he will. And you will be free. You could be free of it by tomorrow. Not the consequences. The consequences are another thing completely, but who cares about those? When The consequences, after you've told the truth, are kind of like... Has anyone seen that movie? It's a long time old now. It's 2012 a movie called 2012 yeah the world's ending but it's so entertaining (laughs) when you tell the truth and when you are in God's hands there's this little part of you that sits inside the part of you that's much more uncomfortable going how are you going to work this one out God (laughs) and he does every time he does it means that next time you sit inside yourself more comfortably waiting because you've got front row seats to see how God will deliver you And this is the most amazing skill because it's not just about sticking up for the truth at your own expense. Sometimes it's sticking up for somebody else's truth. Is your friend being bullied and you're not saying anything about it because you don't want to be bullied? You don't want to be in the bad books? Do you feel uncomfortable with the way that things are because there's just something that's not right and you don't want to say anything about it? The truth will support you there as well. You know, pray about it. You know, look through that filter of love And if there's anything weighing on you that's bothering you, give it to God and let him tell you what to do about it. And say yes, no matter how hard and awful it is. And I promise you, because he promised you, I don't promise anything that he hasn't already promised. He will look after you and it will be okay. And in fact, it will be better than if you found another way around it where you didn't have to do it at all. I want you to get used to saying, I'm sorry, I did something wrong. The last thing I want to leave you with is that if we create an environment where when somebody confesses to something that we reject them, then no one is ever going to tell you the truth. If we can create an environment where we're not just good tellers of the truth, but we are compassionate hearers of the truth, truth is going to erupt. We're going to see amazing things. And the last thing I want to tell you, I suppose, is that you know, I'm actually not afraid to tell you anything. I could tell you anything about my life. I am actually in this moment, I'm okay. You want to hear something I could tell you, but not everything's good for you to hear. You don't need to hear everything that I'm going through. Some of that's for me and for the people closer to me. Uh, Not that I love you all, but you know what I mean. You know, Some stuff is not going to make you leave feeling any better, and you're just going to leave feeling a bit awkward. (laughs) So what I want you to think about is that, You know, it's not about oversharing. But the thing is that when you're sort of in this little dark space, the enemy can get at you and make you feel really horrible. And when you make yourself vulnerable, you know, somebody might think a bit less of you. But it's worth it to feel okay and to feel like God's got you and that you've somehow pulled your life back into alignment with how things really are, with reality, because that's where we want to be. But you don't have to tell everybody everything. (laughs) Just be careful, think about it, pray about it and if you have to choose between being uncomfortable in the dark, I'd say come out with it, that's fine. The worst people can feel is awkward but you know, I just want you to to know that I'm not telling everybody to tell one another what underpants you're all wearing. Um, (laughs) This is about what, what really matters. If something needs to be said and if God's stirring your heart to say it needs to be said, then go do it. Oh, I'd just like to invite the band back up. They're coming. I just want to pray for you all. Um, I totally forgot to do that. Thanks, guys. Took the initiative. Just went, you know what? She's not, she's not, she's not going to do it. Um, <laughs> Father God, I just want to pray for this fabulous group of people. I want to pray for this church. I want to pray for all of us that we would become most incredible tellers of loving truth. That our love would be activated by our honesty and our trust in God to work it out the best way, not just the way that we think it will go best. You know, Lord, I pray that we would be able to just let you have control, to trust you that the truth actually matters and that we would believe you when you say that you've got this under control even when it seems like you don't. Lord, I pray that you would give us all deep wisdom when it comes to how to deal with people who are hurting, who think they have the answer, and we think maybe they don't. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be courageous, loving, and that we would pray for them. Lord, and that we would pray for our moment to show them Jesus' love, and that that would set them free. Free from the things that the enemy wants to hold over them or to hurt them with. Father, we just pray that you would be raising up your church through us and through the other churches in our country and in the world to show people God's love in a most amazing flood of truth and love. Amen. Go well, guys.